Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. So we're going to be talking today about the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now in Jesus' lovely name. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to just get into your word and allow your word to challenge us and to transform us. I pray, Father, that uh, our, our hearts would be opened, that our understanding would be enlightened, that we would uh, activate the word of God that we receive today, that you would live big in us this week. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So we start in verse number 22 where the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the Bible says in verse number 18 that if we're led of the Spirit, we're not under the law. Verse 16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17 says that the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. So we have a choice to make. We either allow the works of the flesh, which begin in verse number 19, and the Bible describes what they are, or we open ourselves and allow the fruit of the Spirit to be planted in our heart and to produce fruit after, after its kind. Seed produces fruit. Seed produces fruit. And so... We as Christians are soil. We offer to God the soil. The Bible says that the, that the Word of God is the seed. And so we offer to God a life of soil for Him to plant seeds in. Now, another thing I want to point out is not only do we offer to God the soil, but we need to understand that we are soil. So if we're not allowing God to plant things in us, there's other things that will be planting things in us. And so that's why the Bible teaches us that we need to live after the Spirit, that we need to walk after the Spirit instead of after the flesh. Because if we walk after the flesh, we receive fleshly seeds, therefore we produce fleshly fruit. If we walk after the Spirit, we receive spiritual seed and we, re and, and we bear spiritual fruit. Now, I want us to take a really good hard look here at verse 22 for just a few moments. The Bible said the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody say that singular. Come on, say it. That singular. There we go. Now you're listening. All right. The fruit of the Spirit. The Bible doesn't call them the fruits, plural. It calls them the fruit of the Spirit. And then when we look at love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of that, that's the DNA of the fruit of the Spirit. Every piece of fruit has DNA. has little of this, little of that, little of this, and little of that. And it produces after its own kind. When we look at this, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. So, what is, so if we have the fruit of the Spirit planted in our heart, planted in our life, and that fruit is producing after its own kind, then what is it going to produce? Well, it's going to produce whatever its DNA tells it to produce. 
So let's look at the DNA of the fruit of the Spirit. First of all, the Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is first of all love. Now we know we need to, to live by love, right? We need to walk by love. We need to talk love. We need to live love. We know that if the enemy attacks us, he's going to attack us in the area of love. The enemy wants to attack your love walk because he wants to shut your faith down. How many times have I taught that to you? Faith works by love. So when the enemy attacks you, he attacks you by trying to get you at odds with someone else or tries to get all kinds of feelings and emotions, maybe against an ex, or maybe against a coworker that's not treating you right, or uh, maybe against the person that you're actually married to. <laughs> you know, the enemy will try to get you fighting with one another to get you out of love so he can shut your faith down so you can't receive what you've got your faith working on. So the enemy uses his weapons against our love walk. We need to present to the Lord the seed of our life, and when we or the soil of our life. And when we present to the Lord the soil of our life, we need to ask Him, plant the fruit of the Spirit inside of me so that I can love the unlovely, so that I can love my enemies, so that I can love those that do despitefully use me and work against me. I need the love of God working in my life. So that's part of the DNA of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the Bible says that joy is also the fruit of the Spirit. I've been talking to our worship team and I've been telling them, when you're up there singing, smile. Smile. Look at, look at this. Look at, look at this. Look around here. Look at this. I'm smiling at you. You're smiling at each other. Why? Because smiles are contagious. Joy is contagious. We were so tired Friday night. Oh, my goodness. We'd had a great service. There was a big storm down there. We had a great service in Port Charlotte. We went out after, afterwards and had dinner with the pastor and a couple of folks from his church. And we had a good team from our church that was down there doing worship and whatnot. And God was moving. And Eric Perdomo was driving through. And he found out that we were there, Bishop Eric Perdomo. And he's over our Spanish colleges. And so he, he was down in Fort Myer working on uh, a place for that school and, and, and a church for the Church of God down there. And so he found out we were there. And so he spun in there. And so we saw him. So we spent time with him. And so we get back to the motel in Venice. And it's like 1230 or something like that. And I'm so tired. And so I walk in there and I look at Donna and she's standing at the sink. And I told her, I said, I have a few questions. And she said, what's that? I said, if a number two pencil is really all that good, why don't they call it a number one? She looked at me and just started shaking her head. Then it got worse. I said to her, if you're driving down the road and you throw a cat out the window, is that considered cat litter? I mean, uh, sorry, sorry, those cat lovers, I'm sorry, cat lovers. Then it got worse. I mean, I was, we were, the Bible said the joy of the Lord is your strength, you know. I mean, and I'm not going to say that the Lord inspired these thoughts. Sometimes they just come. Okay? It's the way God wired me. But then it got even a little bit worse. I said, uh, whoever said, who was the first person that said, see those dangly things on that cow? Let's squeeze them and drink whatever comes out of them. I, she looked at me and she said, you're nuts. You're nuts. So I didn't say the last one, but I'll tell you what I thought of next because she was starting to get, uh, I couldn't tell whether she was amused, confused, or frustrated. So I, that's where you stop, men. You stop. There's a time where you just need to be quiet, okay? But the last thing that was on my mind, I thought, you know, whoever first said, 
You know, the next thing that drops out of that chicken, let's just fry it up and eat it. I mean, the jo joy, joy. Why would you think of things like that? I don't know. I don't know why I think about things like that sometimes. But I tell you what, it's a whole lot better than sitting around, especially when I'm tired, brooding over what people's done bad against me, brooding over what people, and, and getting all upset and everything and let, let myself get all twisted up. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Part of that DNA is joy. I'd rather have crazy, ridiculous thoughts like that than sit around and think about what everybody's said about me or done, done against me because I want my life to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, DNA has love, number one. Number two, the Bible said it's joy. And then what's the third thing? The Bible said that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible said that God will give us peace that passes all understanding. I cannot explain to you how sometimes when I'm doing funerals, one of the most, it's very difficult to go through gr the grief process with people, but I cannot explain to you how sometimes in those funerals, especially if it's a Christian and we know that they went home to be with the Lord, that through the grief, all of a sudden, peace just pierces its way through. The peace of God. That passes all understanding. We don't have to be able to describe the peace of God. We don't have to be able to explain the peace of God. The peace of God is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So if I've offered my life as soil to the Lord for Him to plant His seed inside of me, then one of the first seeds He's going to plant is the seed of the fruit of the Spirit. And so I'm going to have love in my life. I'm going to have joy in my life. I'm going to have peace in my life. And then the Bible says long-suffering, long-suffering. Why would he put long-suffering in there? Because the Bible knew that there were going to be times in your life when you were just going to have to tolerate idiots. Look at your neighbor and smile. Say, yes, he said that. Have you ever run into somebody and thought to yourself, man, they just drink a case of stupid every morning when they get up. They, they should just, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, if we didn't run into people like that, there would be no reason for part of the DNA of the fruit of the Spirit to be long-suffering. You know what the Lord is telling us? Be a little more tolerant. Just be a little more tolerant. Because you're always going to run into idiots. You're always going to run into stupid people. You're always going to run into people who... And, and when I'm talking about stupid, I'm talking about stupid acting people. I'm not talking about people that are stupid. I'm, 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 I'm talking about stupid acting people. And so the Lord said we're supposed to be long-suffering. That means sometimes we have to suffer long. We were sitting in the... I was sitting uh, last night, and we'd gotten home uh, from a, a very long trip, Port Charlotte. And then the next morning we get up, and so we get in the car, and we're headed home... And uh, you know what we had to do before we got home? We had to stop in Wesley Chapel, and I had to wait like a good husband for three hours while my wife got her hair done. And all the men said, oh, glory to God. And all the women said, yay, but all the men said, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. So then we get home. It's like 6 o'clock, 6.30, something like that. We're sitting at the table. It's myself, it's Donna, it's Donna, and it's Vic. And we're sitting there, and we were talking, and somebody said something about, you know, people aggravate me. I said, you know, there's just almost no one that aggravates me except stupid people, stupid acting people. They aggravate me. 
And through the years, the Lord has had to help me work on that. I've had to learn how to be long-suffering. Now, something else may apply to you other than that, but the long-suffering is the one that I've had to work on through the years because I'm a get-or-done guy. I'm like, God said it, let's do it. Quit griping. Let's go. Let's get it done. God said it. You know? And so long-suffering is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So I've learned through the years that if things aren't actually going the way that I want them to go, just give it a little bit of time because most of the time it'll just iron itself out. Just be patient. Now I've gotten to the point where Donna tells me, she says, you have more grace than anyone I've ever met. There are times when you just tell, need, need to tell people, straighten or act up, and you just keep saying, well, the Lord will fix it, the Lord will fix it. Well, the reason is because I believe that. I believe in the power of Calvary. I believe in the power of the cross. I believe in the power of prayer. I think that the Lord can do more in 10 seconds than I can do in 10 sermons or 10 conversations or whatever. So most of the time, instead of just engaging with people when they're frustrating me or aggravating me, I just take them to the Lord in prayer. I just say, Lord, will you fix this? If it's me, show me. 98% of the time, it's me. And He has to work on me, all right? So I want, you, I want us to uh, notice that the Bible says that we are, uh, that we are to be long-suffering. Then let's go on here. Then the Bible says gentleness. We're supposed to be gentle. It's not always easy to be gentle when people frustrate you, but God's Word says that part of the fruit of the Spirit is that we are gentle. And then we're supposed to be good to people, goodness. We're supposed to allow that to come into our life. And then part of the fruit of the Spirit here is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's also the ability that faith will help you stand when other things make you fall. You'll say, well, I don't have to understand. You know, faith is what gets you through misunderstanding. Faith is what gets you through when you don't understand what's going on around you. Will you just say, you know, I know your word says, God, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and, and, and you delight in their way. And so, Father, I just give my life to you. I give this situation to you. I'm standing in faith even when I don't understand. And then we go on to verse number 23. Part of the DNA of the fruit of the Spirit is meekness. Now, I want to clarify this for just a few moments. Don't misunderstand meekness for weakness. Meekness is strength. The Bible said that the meek shall inherit the earth. If we think meekness is weakness, then we would have to translate that scripture to say, the weak shall inherit the earth. And how many of you know that the weak can't handle the earth? So meekness is not weakness. Here's what meekness is. It's strength under control. That's what meekness is. And, and, and meekness causes us to not be arrogant. Meekness causes us not to be prideful. Meekness causes us to understand that yes, the Lord has given me strength. Yes, the Lord has given me influence. Yes, the Lord has given me the ability to do what I need to do. But it all comes from the Lord and any glory that comes from the activity that we're involved in doesn't come to us, it goes straight to the Lord. And so that's what meekness is. Meekness is strength under control. And then we go on and the Bible says temperance. That means we have to have our tempers under control. That's, that was really hard for me to learn when I was growing up because I was a fighter. In fact, a few, a few uh, months ago, we were up in, um, uh, we were in Joplin, Missouri, 
and uh, we were having lunch at Cheddar's with David Branham and his wife, David and Lorraine Branham. David Branham, 67 years old now, is the son of Pastor Branham, Pastor D.C. Branham, who was my first pastor when I was like a little tiny three-year-old or whatever. In fact, we traced all the way back, and we, he's known me since I was three years old. So we're sitting there, and, 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 and we're just talking with one another, and we were catching up with one another. And after, actually, after being married to Donna for almost 30 years, this is the first time that they had ever met Donna, the first time. And so we're sitting there, and David and Lorraine, and Lorraine's being her wonderful self, you know, just excited. And David actually takes care of the Overcomers Choir for the Bible College there, Ozark Bible Institute, that my dad graduated from in 1971. So we work something out where they'll probably come down here. They've never been this far south in Florida, but they'll probably bring the bus and bring the choir down here in the spring of next year to do a concert for us. It'll be wonderful. It'll be great. And I'll be asking some of you guys to host some of those choir members in your, in your home and, and uh, put them up for the night and things like that. Wonderful Bible college kids that love the Lord. But anyways, so we're sitting there. And he just kind of looked at me and I looked at him and I said, yeah, I know what you remember. I said, uh, at Ozark Christian Academy, and all, I, I was the fighter. I was. I fought with people all of the time. I'm, I'm I'm, when I say fight, I'm talking about fist fight. I mean, someone would look at me sideways. I'd punch them in the nose. I'd pay no attention. I didn't fool with it when I was like five, five, fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, something like that. Some of you guys that have young boys about that age and they're rounders, uh, you know, maybe there's a little hope if you look here. Because <laughs> I was a rascal. I was. And then at 12 years old in Racine, Missouri, at youth camp, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I never fought after that, not one day. Not one day. It changed my life. Well, what happened was when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that DNA of the fruit of the Spirit of temperance came inside of me. And I learned temper tantrums don't solve a thing. There are some people who's 30 years old, and they still throw temper tantrums when they don't get what they want. What do you think you're going to solve? You're not going to solve anything. when you do, The Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. That's part of the DNA. And so we have to watch ourselves and make sure that that flesh doesn't crop up, crop up inside of us and cause us to let our tempers get out of control. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good teaching right there. Amen. Then the Bible said, against such there is no law. So, with all of that said... We understand that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. Then the Bible goes on and tells us that our Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And then if we live in the Spirit, we should also walk in the Spirit and we should not be desirous of vainglory. Uh, the Bible said uh, provoking one another or envying one another. So it's, against the, it's the, against the will of God and against the Word of God for us to call ourselves a Christian and try to provoke other people to try to make other people angry. And so God's Word tells us that we shouldn't do that. So with that understood, we understand that we are soil, that our life is soil, that there are seeds that's going to be planted in our life, either the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. We decide, we decide, are we going to receive the seed of the works of the flesh, which 
begin in Galatians 5, verse 19, or are we going to receive the seed of the fruit of the Spirit, which is going to produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all those things that we've been talking about. And so we understand that we are soil. Now, I want you to go with me over to the book of Matthew chapter 7, and we'll begin in verse number 15. And we'll do 15 through 20 there. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And then look at verse number 16. It says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Look at your neighbor and say, The proof is in the fruit. The proof is in the fruit. You shall know them by their fruits. How do I know whether a false prophet is a false prophet or a true prophet? You look at the fruit of their life. Now let me say it like this. You don't look at how, how loud they preach. You don't look at how great they shout. You don't listen to how much they, you don't look at how much they shake. I don't care if they go, whoa, like that. That is no indication that there's an anointing on their life. No indication. The Bible said you know them by their fruit. And the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah that if we attach ourselves to a false prophet, that we receive the curse of that false prophet in our life. But if we attach ourselves to those who are prophesying the Word of God and speaking the Word of God and they're a true prophet, that those that attach to those kind of prophets receive the prophet's reward. And so how do I know whether I should attach to this person or that person? Right here in Matthew chapter 7, the Bible said the proof is in the fruit. You know them by the fruit that they bear. People come to me sometimes. I've been in 15 different churches in the last 30 years, and for some reason they think that's going to impress me. Oh, so you can't commit. So, so you can't put down roots. So you can't. people can't get along with you. So... So you're touchy, you're feely, things don't go your way, you're out the door because things that, I'm going to take my marbles and go down the street. That kind of thing. That's not spiritual maturity, honey. That's juvenile stuff. That's juvenile stuff. I want you to grow in God. I want you to produce great fruit. I want you to present your life as soil for God to work inside of your life. And the Bible said the proof is in the fruit. So when people come to me and they say, yeah, we preach in revivals, we pastor these churches, we've, we've got uh, 30,000 people uh, on, on, on our like page, I'm like, well, so do we, so what? You know, and so I look at them and they can say all of these things, but I turn and I start looking for the fruit. What, where's the sons? Where's the spiritual sons? Where's the spiritual daughters? How many people did you lead to Jesus last month? How many people received the call of God on their life and your ministry? How many are you training? How many are you helping? How many are you helping grow in the Lord? See, here's the thing. God didn't call us to be stagnant. God called us to be conduits. A place where He can flow His power through. A place where He can throw His word, flow His Word through. Where He can flow the anointing through. And so the Bible tells us that we know them by their fruit. It's not hard to decide or to discern whether a prophet is false or true. You just look at the prophets or the prophecies they've prophesied and you look and see if they came to pass or not. If they didn't come to pass, they're a false prophet. Are there, is there hope for false prophets? Sure there is. 
They can make things right with God and God can flow through them. That, that's fine. But the Bible tells us that we know them by the fruit that they bear. Okay, now let's continue on. The Bible says, do men gather grapes or thorns or figs of thistles? Do they gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Let's put it in something we can understand. You're not going to get an apple tree from a grape seed. Let me say that again. You're not going to get an apple tree from a grape seed. That's basically what that's talking about. Now let me bring it down to where we live. You're not going to produce holy things through, a, through an unholy lifestyle. You can't live unholy and reap the benefits of living holy. Hello? You can't get apples from grape seeds. You can't get grapes from apple seeds. And so the Bible says here, Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, now listen, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Now, he goes on to expand in verse number 18, just in case we're not understanding. And this is Jesus talking. He goes on to expand. He says, a good tree. Now, he just said here in verse 17 that a good tree brings forth good fruit. But in verse 18, he said, a good tree can't bring forth evil fruit. And then the Bible said, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So it's important for us to understand that good trees bring forth good fruit and this is the good news for us. It's impossible for them to bring forth evil fruit. Because a good tree can't bring forth evil fruit. And an evil tree can't bring forth good fruit. That's why it's important for us to offer to the Lord the right kind of soil for Him to plant the seed of His Word in. And so He can plant the good seed of His Word in. And one of those seeds that He plants is the fruit of the Spirit. So that's a good tree. How do you know if, if they're going to bring forth good fruit? Are they walking in love? Do they have the joy of the Lord in their life? Do they have the peace of God that understands uh, in their life? Is it ruling and reigning in their life? Uh, that's the Word of God. It's what the Word of God teaches. And then we go on here, and then the Bible said, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And look at verse number 20 again. It says, once again, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. It was so important to Jesus to get that thought across that within four verses he said twice by their fruits you know them. You're not called to be a judge but you're called to be a fruit inspector. Amen? What about Matthew 7 1 where it says judge not that you be not judged? Well, what about, the, what about where the Bible says that he that is spiritual judges all things? Do you really want to start going down that road? Here's the point I want to make. Quit worrying so much about judging and start inspecting fruit. Well, I don't know if I want to be, you know, they want to be my friend, but I don't know, know if I want to be their friend. Well, look at their life and see what kind of people they hang, hang out with. See what kind of fruit they're producing in their life. 
Do they hang out with gossipers? Do they hang out with backbiters? Do they always run their mouth all of the time? Do they hang out with people that's running their mouth about other people all the time? Or are they just enamored with the Word of God? I mean, do they love God's Word? Do they love to talk about the Word of God? Do they love to testify about things that God is doing? Is there focus on the move of God around the world and the things that God is... Are the, is that what... Thou, those are the kind of people you want to hang out with. You hang out with the backbiters and the gossipers and people like that, and you're going to wake up and feel like, in the morning. But if you hang out with people that love God and talk about the Word of God and is excited about what God is doing, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to, first thing you're going to think is, my goodness, what's God going to do today? And it changes your life. You know, we've got people that go over to other, we've, in, the, in the past, we've had people that went over to other people's houses for Bible studies and before you know it, there might be four couples and two of them have quit the church. And then when you find out, when you look at it, you find out that they weren't having Bible study. They were just feasting on the things that they didn't agree with that was going on. That wasn't a study. That was a gossip session. God is not pleased with that. He's not pleased when, when I stand up here or anyone else would stand up here or when you sit at your kitchen table or you meet someone for coffee and you talk about the preacher down the street or the ministry over in the next county and you dog them. God is not pleased. We're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to complete each other. We're supposed to lift one another up. Listen, as long as there are people that are breathing God's air, there are going to be, there's going to be something about someone that you don't agree with. What you do with that is going to determine what kind of person you are. You can dog about it. You can talk about it and you can feel horrible for the rest of your life or you can say, you know what, the fruit of the Spirit's in my life. I, I'm not going to give myself over to the works of the flesh. I'm going to give myself over to the fruit of the Spirit. I want, when people think about me, I want to think they're loving. I want them to think they're loving, they're kind, they're forgiving, they're temperate, they're long-suffering, they have faith. I, and the only way that people are going to think that about you is if that's the kind of fruit that you're putting off in your life. So, you know by their fruits. So, the last thing that I want to talk to you about here today is, uh, let's go to Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4 for just a few moments. Go to the right in your Bible from Matthew. Mark chapter 4. So, we understand that we're the soil. We understand that there's different kinds of fruit. We understand that the fruit of the Spirit is just that. It's a fruit that has the DNA of love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and all of those things, temperance. We understand that. So I have to present to the Lord the soil of my life. I want God to plant things in me. I want God to produce through me. I don't want to just be a Christian consumer. I want to be a Christian producer for the kingdom. Did you get that? I don't want to just be a kingdom consumer, I want to be a kingdom producer. I want God to be able to grow things in me. I want God to be able to produce from me. And so I want to be a producer instead of just a consumer. And so we look at Mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 9 and we can look at the four different kinds of soil. And you can read that if you would like, but there's four different kinds of soil there. The first one is wayside soil. Wayside soil is hard soil. It's soil that's hard for seeds to penetrate. And the Bible said that when you cast that, 
the seed out there on hard soil that birds come along and they devour the seed. So it's very difficult for seed to break into hard soil. I don't want to become so hard because of the things that's happened in my life that God cannot plant things in me. I want God to be able to use me. I want God to be able to grow things in me. I want Him to grow things out of me. I want to be a, a, a producing, a fruit producing Christian. And so what that means is there are places in my life and places where I've been wronged and all of that that I'm going to have to kind of soften up a little bit. I can't present to God a life full of hard soil and expect to be a producer for the kingdom of God. So that's the first kind of soil. The second kind of soil, according to the scripture here, is the stony soil. And that's the stony, the stony soil is, is soil that has shallow depth. In other words, it's this wide, but it's only about that, that deep. And what happens is they toss seed on shallow soil, and the seed takes root for just a, a little while. But the soil is only about that long. So instead of the roots growing down and getting that rich nutrient, the roots kind of grow out and they consume the nutrients that other plants around need to survive. So stony soil, if, if, if my life is stony soil, then what I'm doing is I'm presenting myself to the Lord and I'm presenting my life to the Lord as stony soil. And that soil that, God, I want you to plant your seed in me, but in order for that to happen, it's going to have to choke out other people around me. Therefore, I'm the one that will shine. Hello? And you see people like that, don't you? You see people like that. They know God's Word. They can teach God's Word, they can preach God's Word, they can prophesy God's Word, they can sing God's Word, all of those kinds of things, but give them, put the spotlight on them. Don't put it on someone else. I'll come, Pastor, but you've got to give me a title and you've got to give me a place up front where people can see me. Same spirit that Satan had when he was standing before God and said, I will ascend above the Most High God. I've found out through the years that the people that God uses the most are the ones that would rather sit in the back and stay out of the light. Those are the ones that God promotes. When I was a child, I was shy, and I would hide in my mother's skirts. If you would have told them back then that I would be standing preaching to millions of people around the world through social media and many other, other ways through television and whatnot, if you would have told them back then, my parents and those that were around me, they would have said, not Johnny. Now, he might get in a fight ring somewhere and fight, but he's not going to be preaching the Word of God. He's too shy. And besides that, I stuttered all the time. I stuttered a lot. It was hard for me to get a thought out because I would stutter a lot at times. And the Lord pretty much healed me from that. Well, I, I believe he, he healed me from that. But that's some, sometimes when I'm up here and talking and I get words turned around, that's just a little bit of that. But I stuttered so bad when I was a little boy, there was no way I could have been a public speaker. God looked down and he said, I'm going to use you. Well, I don't want the the limelight. I don't want the, you know, those lights are hot sometimes. 
Who wants to stand here under hot light? Not, not, not these. Thank God they're LEDs. But the lights we had before that, man, you stand up here, you guys would be out there shaking and shivering. We're up here just sweating. Uh, who wants to be in, under, under those lights? Only someone who is self-aggrandizing, someone who wants the glory for themselves. And so that's what happens when people offer to the Lord stony soil. Okay, God, I'll receive the seed, but you got to let me be the one that shines. And what happens is that shallow mentality and that shallow thinking, and when God does shine on them or the word, or, or the, word the light of God's word shines on them, they wilt and they wither and they go away. Then the third kind of soil that the Bible talks about there in Mark chapter 4 is the, is the thorny soil or thickets. Thickets, thorny soil. And these, this is soil where the thickets grow. They grow. And when they cast seed, then the thickets crowd out the sun. And because there's no sun, there can really be no germination. And so the seed doesn't have the chance to actually grow. Listen, seed needs sun to grow. Let me ask you this question. If you plant a seed in the ground upside down, which way is that seed going to grow? It's still going to grow straight up. You can plant it upside down. You can plant it sideways. You can plant it right side up. It doesn't matter. How come it don't go, grow straight down? Because it's reaching for the sun. That's the only way that we're going to grow is if we're reaching for the sun. The thickets that are around us are representative. The Bible calls it, the King James Version, Version calls it this. The Bible says we are cumbered about with many things. The thickets represent the circumstances that are around us. They represent the things that crowd God out of our lives, uh, that that steal our time so we can't spend time with the Lord or situations that arrive in our, or arise in our hearts and our lives that capture our mentality and capture our attention and steals our mind away from focusing and meditating on the Lord or meditating upon His Word. That's why it's important for us every single day to get into the Word of God at least for 20 or 30 minutes and hopefully around an hour and to pray and just get in the Word of God. Do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at lunch, 20 minutes in the evening. Spend an hour with the Lord every single day. Get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God feed you. Let it strengthen you. Let it encourage you. Let it lift you up. Let it help you grow. Let it help you grow. And what will happen is you're making yourself available for the sun and the thickets, the things that you're cumbered about with, will begin to fade away and the more the sun shines on you, the stronger you can grow and before long you're producing fruit. Now there's one other kind of soil and that kind of soil obviously is the good soil. And the good soil is fertile soil. The good soil is deep soil. The good soil is soil that receives the engrafted Word of God. It's soil that is easy to grow in. So it's deep soil. You need to be somewhere where people teach you the depth of the Word of God. You need to be somewhere where people teach you how to grow in God. You need to give yourself to teachers like that. You need to give yourself to conversations like that. You don't always have to go somewhere where somebody's standing up in front of you and talking like I'm talking to you. You can learn a whole lot sitting at a table with someone who's known Jesus for years and they're just pouring their experience and their word into your life over a cup of coffee. 
It's a wonderful way. It's called one-on-one discipleship. Small groups are a wonderful way for people to grow in community and to get close to one another and to do life together and to celebrate the things that need to be celebrated and to be there for one another when people go through difficult times. That's called discipleship. That's a good way for you to grow in the Lord. It's a good way for all of us to grow in the Lord. And so we offer to the Lord soil that can receive seed. And once it receives the seed of God's Word, then it can do something with it. And then that speaks of fertile soil. What is fertile soil? Fertile soil is soil that is full of the Word of God. Just receive the Word of God. It's soil that is watered by the Spirit. How do we water the seed? We do that through worship. How do we fertilize the seed? We do that through the Word. We do that through the Word. And once the plant begins to grow, I want you to really get this. Listen very closely. The apple tree doesn't look anything at all like the apple. Does it? I planted an apple seed, and all that came up was a twig. I was expecting an apple, but all I got was a twig. Oh, well, let's keep working and see what happens. The next year, well, the twig just got bigger. And then the next year, well, it looks like a tree now, but it sure don't look like an apple. I planted an apple seed. I'm expecting an apple. That don't look nothing like an apple. That ain't nothing but a tree. If you stay faithful, eventually... The branches are going to produce beautiful little blossoms. And when the blossoms fall off, there'll be little fuzzy nubs on the end. And they'll start growing and growing and growing. And then because you were faithful, because you were patient, because you stayed the course, because you not only planted it in the right ground, but you kept the, gro- the, ground, the, the, the ground, you kept it fertilized in spiritual sense with the Word of God, you kept it watered with the rain from heaven, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden, three or four years down the road, you don't have just one apple, you have an entire tree full of apples. You planted to get an apple, you're getting bushels. You didn't get it the first year. You didn't get it the second year. You didn't get it the third. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes when God plants His seed inside of our life, what comes up? don't look like what we're believing God for. But if we'll stay the course and remain faithful and trust God and keep our spirit right and stay in faith and keep the Word flowing and keep the water of the Spirit coming one of these days, then because of our faithfulness and because of us offering our lives to Christ, one of these days we will receive more than we ever dreamed. You want scripture for that? Galatians 6, 9 says this. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season. Look at your neighbor and say, due season always comes. Yeah. Due season, you will reap, what does it say? If we faint not. Isn't that what the scripture says? 
You say, well, pastor, I've had my faith on something for a long time. Well, then you're due for a miracle. Your due season is around the corner. It may even be here this morning. But you've got to remain faithful. You've got to keep yourself full of the Word. Surrounded by the right kind of people. Some people say, well, that's mind over matter. No, it's word over matter. You're a Christian. Live like a Christian. Act like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Walk like a Christian. Conduct yourself like a Christian. You're a Christian. It's the highest honor that humanity could ever have is to be like Christ. And so you're a Christian. So stay the course. And when you stay the course, then you'll reap the benefits of a holy life. Amen? Ooh. Feels good in here, doesn't it? Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.